So let's get started. We're going to read uh, Mark 4, 1 through 10 real quick to get us started. Then I'll pray and we can get to work. You guys ready? Mark chapter 4. Again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea and the land, on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and in his teachings he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let me pray. God, would you be with us tonight as we uh, try to get a little bit closer to you tonight. As we try to learn more about you and what you've called us to, um, would you be at work in all of our hearts tonight? Meet us all where we're at when it comes to our spiritual walk. And uh, give us some things to think about, to, to be challenged by, ultimately change our hearts tonight, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So this is an interesting situation. There's many times that Jesus gets into a boat throughout Scripture. But most of the time he's getting in a boat, he's trying to run away. Today, the boat actually functions as his pulpit. There's no room on the sea, so he kind of backs off, he hops on a boat, and he's actually preaching from the boat. It's a little, little different. Uh, but one of the things that I love about Jesus is, uh, while there's often a spiritual layer to his parables that are hard to understand, the top layer is very... Uh, Grabable or very understandable. It's easy to relate to. So Jesus was teaching to all these people in Palestine about, and he used farming. Now, when we read this story, does does anybody like help their family do any gardening? Gardening. So we like so last year I bought I bought my wife actually actually two years ago I built my wife this raised bed so she so we could grow tomatoes and cucumbers and all these things and I I am not. is there an opposite of a green thumb? What do they call it? Is it brown thumb? Everything, everything I touch would die. So um, my wife, though, can make just about anything grow. Um, today, if we were to go and kind of work a farm or at least do a big plot of land, the first thing we would go ahead and do is remove all the rocks. The next thing we would go ahead and do is we'd till the soil up, and then we would drop in the seed. So that would kind of be the process for this. Well, back in kind of ancient Palestine kind of farming techniques, uh, what they would do is they wouldn't go and till up the land first. They would actually have this, uh, this apron of sorts with a bunch of seed in this pocket, and they would literally just walk around grabbing handfuls of seed and just tossing it everywhere they walked, just trying to cover anything they could get to. And then they would go in and actually till up some of the ground later. It was actually a, kind of a reversed process for what we do today. And so when Jesus is actually describing this process to most of the people listening, it makes sense to them. It's not like, what is he talking about? It's like, yeah, it's normal. We go out and we toss our seed and we're expecting things to grow up. And it's not abnormal that some of it would fall on a path or some of it would fall on rocky ground or some of it would fall in thorns. We've got enough good soil around here. Some of it's going to grow. 
That's kind of the idea. And so most of the people listening, uh, this would be normal for them. They would understand the language that he's using. So on a kind of basic level, this parable is very simple. We've got three different, uh, three different, actually four different places that the seed falls on. Three of them, you can just, if you just read it, you recognize really quickly. Three times it does not end up well. One time it works out. So there's these three, um, three times that this ends in death to the seed. Uh, one time that it flourishes and that fruit is produced. Um, it's not really that hard to understand from an initial reading of this, right? I mean, it, it kind of, it's pretty simple. But Jesus was just not, he wasn't just trying to teach him about farming. Jesus did not come to just teach about farming. There's no great statement in the New Testament where, is it, you know, this is what I have come to do, to teach you all how to make a garden. Like, that's, that's not what Jesus came to do. So there's always this, well, what is he really saying under this? What is he saying about, why is he talking about seed? Why is he talking about the ground? Why is he talking about fruit? There's something Jesus is trying to communicate through this parable that will be good for us to take a look at. What's interesting about this parable, it's it's actually one of the few parables where it's got a very specific explanation for us on what it means. We'll go ahead and read through it in just a moment, but Often, Jesus doesn't go on to just explain in detail every single piece of the parable. But he goes away, and we get this actual play-by-play. Well, here's what this means, and here's what this means, and here's what this means, and here's what this means. There you go. So he explains it in such detail. So that's what we're going to look at, really, as we unpack this. So let's go ahead, and we're going to skip down to verse 13. And I'm going to start reading there. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear Satan immediately comes up, takes away the word that is sown in them. That's number one. And then there are ones on the rocky ground. This is number two. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And the others are the ones sown among the thorns. This is number three. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And then number four. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who bear the word, or hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So the word, he says, or excuse me, the seed, he says right here very quickly, is the word of God. We can see the sower as God. It can also be us as we preach the gospel, as we talk about the gospel. But this is mostly right now talking about Jesus being the sower of the word. And really we get four different responses to the word. The soil, I have to say this before we start, is not the quality of the person. The soil is not how good this person already is. The soil is simply communicating how are they responding to this seed, to the word of God. So what I want to do is I want to walk through these. I want you guys, kind of like last week, to see, do I see myself in one of these categories? And then we'll camp out a little bit on the back end where it talks about 
bearing fruit. And we'll talk about what does that really mean if we are a Christian. So the first seed, where does the first seed fall in this parable? Anybody? On the, the path. On the path. Has anybody tried to grow anything on like a hard surface? It really doesn't work well. On this packed down clay or if it was our paths it would be concrete. It just, <laughs> just doesn't work well. Anything we see growing on the concrete is growing up because it's broken apart and in the, in, you know, coming up from under the concrete. But seed on the path doesn't grow very well. So in the parable, Jesus talks about birds coming in and plucking it up and it never having a chance to grow. But in the parable, actually, when you see the spiritual explanation, Jesus attributes it quickly to who? Satan. He gives it a, a spiritual level to this, this specific part. This person, so let's, if we could kind of say it's a person here in this room, this is the person that's hard, heart is hardened to God's word. Who for the most part, when they think is not being influenced by God's word or godly thinking, they're being influenced by the world and by, quite honestly, the spiritual forces that are the enemy of the Lord. Now, it's not like we can just look around and see them flying around or doing crazy things, and I'm not going to go into detail about spiritual warfare tonight, but Jesus is really clear. Some of the word gets it's thrown to these people and they reject it very clearly this is not for me don't i don't love jesus i don't think he exists um and it's snatched up has no opportunity to grow this soil has no chance to bear fruit in its current state some of you this is you tonight you have a hardened heart to the things of god some of you know people that you love dearly that are not in this room tonight. Who, when the word is sown regularly to them, it is met with anger and frustration and rejection. Because, hey, they don't care. They don't care. Now, that's kind of pretty, kind of what I would say is out there. It's, most of us wouldn't say, that's me. Some of you might, and that's, I would be glad to continue the conversation with you. But most of us, I think, would fall into one of the next three, especially when you come to church. I think most of us fall in the next three categories. Hopefully, many of us fall in the last one. But the second one, where does the seed fall in the second part of this parable? Say it a little louder. Rocky ground or stony ground or... And here we learn when Jesus is explaining this process, he says, hey, it doesn't grow very deep here. There's no opportunity to grow deep here. Can't send its roots down deep because there's so many rocks, there's so many issues. And it says, when the, the heat comes out, the sun comes out, it scorches it and has no shot. We did a series a couple of years ago that we called Roots and it was on spiritual disciplines. And I, if you guys were around long enough, do you guys remember when I showed you pictures of my yard and just how hard it's been for me to, once we bought our house to try to kill off the weeds and get things to grow back. And well, in the back uh, of our house, we have loads of rock in the back. 
we've got grass there, but there's these patches that are incredibly rocky. And we've been working on them and working on them, and they're, they're starting to finally produce grass, and it's because we've had loads of dirt put back there. And, but the first couple of years when I lived there, whenever it would get into the summer, basically the rock would get just so hot, it would scorch any sort of grass that was around it, and it would just die. It would wilt. It would just, be, it would just burn away. It had no shot of growing. This is what we're talking about here. This is, this is uh, uh, a seed that is going down into a rocky area that has zero shot of growth. But when Jesus talks about the spiritual level, the soil is not fit for growth because, let's read it in verse 16. Those are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. So there's initial sprouting up. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I want to I make sure we hit on this again. This soil can't handle the pressures of life. This is the person who, at youth camp, raises their hands as we're singing, tells their discipleship group that we had, that I think I gave my life to Christ for the first time, or, or I really felt like the Lord was calling me to surrender. But when we get back to real life, when things don't go when we the way that we think they should, or when we get, you know, made fun of or persecuted at school for calling ourselves a Christian, or, uh, or just bad stuff happens in our life. We bail. We bail. Sometimes it's because we think God owes us a good life. But guys, if you'll read the whole Bible, you will find out that Jesus never makes you a promise of a happy, easy life. So, some of you, your families have been broken up by divorce. And you're hurting. And that sucks. For some of you, your parents have lost jobs and money is tied. And when money's tied at home, tensions rise. And it's not a peaceful place to be. And you just want to get out and go somewhere else. And that is really hard. Some of you have been vocal about your faith at at school or at work or with your friends and have been met with rejection or persecution and that too is hard. And some of you don't feel like you fit in at school, here at our church. You don't feel like you've got a place and that is hard. But when we look at this parable that Jesus is telling us, we see they received first the word with joy, but when things got hard, they just bailed. So I just want to ask you, is this you tonight? You don't have to answer me. (laughs) Is this you tonight? 
Have you received pressure from hard circumstances? Things not going well at home. Feeling like God didn't hold or keep one of his promises and you just, you know what, I give up. That's not the only option. If you look throughout scripture, I think what you'll actually find is there are more people like you there. You read through the Old Testament or read through the New Testament, the lives of Christians were not just happy-go-lucky lives. People getting slowed, uh, sold into slavery by their siblings. People getting put in jail for things they didn't do. People getting stoned for speaking up for Jesus. We live in a culture where at this point in time, for the most part, the kind of persecution we get is through words. And that hurts. But man, there are Christians all over the world suffering way worse and they're not bailing their faith. So I just want to ask you, is this you? Suffering and persecution will be a part of every human life. I can promise you that. But God, thankfully, he's never promised us to carefree life. He, he's never looked down on us and said, if you'll follow me, everything in your life will be as you wish. I think sometimes we think Jesus is more genie than sovereign king. Where we can kind of just say, hey, I got unlimited wishes, Jesus, so uh, I've given you my life now, so clear up these problems with my family. Please give me a great job. Help me get into school with the best scholarships and we'll be good. It's kind of like this transaction between us and Jesus, and that's just not how this thing works. But you want to know who Jesus is? He's the sovereign king who gives you unlimited mercy and grace. When we talk about snapshots of the king, Jesus throughout scripture comes offering you not an easy life, but a perfect eternity. And that is the good news. But you can't bail when things get hard. Well, let's move to the next one. What's, where does the third seed fall? In the thorns, okay? In the thorns. This third kind of soil once again shows us that, once again, the seed was unable to sustain growth. So on a surface level, super clear. Thorns choked it out, easy to understand. But on a spiritual level... Notice the words that he uses. They are those who hear the word. Verse 19 says, But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the world, and it proves unfruitful. These are the people who's, who are building their lives upon everything else but Jesus. It could be stuff like money, clothing, technology. In adults, as they grow up, you often see it in like cars or houses or uh, hobbies like buying a boat or, you know, not all these things are bad, but this is a person who's built their life upon chasing these things. It could be how you spend your time. Do you spend all of your free time on your own hobbies selfishly? Or do you see 
other opportunities to give of your time and energy. For me, kind of growing up, what I prized most was my reputation. I wanted people to see me as great at everything I did, whether it was athletics or in my spiritual walk with the Lord or you name it. My, I had an awful day when either I messed up or somebody thought I messed up. And my, the way people saw me was not perfect. That's the cares of this world. That's building my life upon something other than Jesus. And it says your life actually chokes out these, the seed because you're more concerned about living for these things. I'm just going to stop for just a moment. And I just want you guys to think about, whether you're a Christian or not, I want you guys to sit for a moment and think about what are the things that are most important to you. Just think about it. If you've got a journal, you can write them down. Um, What are the things that are most important to you? I'm going to give you like 30 seconds. Just think about it. All right, so I don't know what you thought of, what you came up with, but one of the definitions we use here at our church for an idol is anything or anyone that captures our hearts, our minds, and affections more than God. So when you thought through some of those things that were most important to you, would any of those things fit the description that we just gave? Anything or anyone that captures our hearts, minds, and affections more than God? Money, friends, entertainment, free time, the ability just to do whatever you want. It is almost impossible for someone to exhibit good Christian fruit when the majority of what you are pursuing is worldly or material. So, is this you? When you look at who you are in your life, is this you? Someone who's going after the things of the world to the point where it's choking out any sort of joy in Christ you may have had. So I want to spend the rest of the time on this last seed because I recognize many of you would say, hey, I'm the fourth one. I really feel like I'm in, I'm, I'm good soil. By God's grace, he saved me. Uh, I'm bearing fruit. Uh, I'm living for the Lord, this is where I want to spend the last of our time. So this is the good soil. In verse 20, it reads like this, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who bear the word, hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. 
This last soil is where things go well. This is a good news part of this parable. There are some of you here tonight who have, by God's grace, trusted Christ for your salvation. And it's showing up in your life. Does that mean you're perfect? No. But we can look and see fruit. I can look in this group right now, and there are many of you who I can, I can put my finger on some fruit in your life that at least I get to see. If you ask the people closest to you, maybe your siblings or your parents or your good friends, what fruit are you seeing in my life? Some of them can come up with some good answers. Because by God's grace, you are living for Christ. These are the people, when you talk about the seed and the good soil, who heard the message of the gospel, who have repented and put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, and who now live like it. They live like that's a reality for them. They live like, hey, when we stand here and worship, I don't need to be crazy. You know, I don't have to lift my hands, but these words better move my heart and my soul. Because if I believe these things, there's no way I can't be moved. Can, can I ask you guys a question? And I do want you to answer this one. Um, what are some things that come to mind when you hear the word fruit, like spiritual fruit? What are things that come to mind? Just shout them out. I didn't hear what's... Works? Is that what you said? So doing things that honor the Lord. That's pretty broad. So like the fruit of the Spirit, yep. What else? Serving others, doing good things. So yeah, being a good friend when people are hurting. Avoiding temptation. Anybody else? Uh, you gotta be louder. Oh, she's reading her Bible. <laughs> Yeah, the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, spending time in God's Word. Praying. Thinking about others and how you can serve them. These are all great things that we would associate with fruit. If I were to ask this room one by one, if I were to ask every one of you this question, are you a Christian? This is just a guess, but I think 90 to 95% of you would say, yes, I am. But there are many of you that I'm concerned for because there's no fruit bearing in your life. If you've been saved by the grace of God and given the Holy Spirit, there's going to be fruit in your life as a Christian. It's not always going to be perfect. It's going to be up and down. But there's going to be fruit in your life. People are going to see a difference. This is the good soil. What I find interesting is, uh, I want you guys to turn to Luke chapter 8 with me really quickly. This is actually a parallel account of uh, this parable. So in other words, this is Luke's, um, 
the way Luke wrote this parable uh, and summarized this parable. And there's a few different words in it that I want you guys to look at. Luke chapter 8, verse 15 is the one I want to draw your attention to. Luke chapter 8, verse 15 reads like this. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hear, they are those who, excuse me, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. With patience. Those words, with patience, can also be translated as in the word perseverance. I think one of the things that we struggle with as humans, and I see you guys struggle with as students, is this idea of perseverance. We try something that I think the Lord is, says is a good thing, but we try it twice and give up when all of a sudden we still don't love it. Or we try to read God's word for a week, and two times we try and nothing seems to stand out to us. It doesn't jump off the page like we think it's supposed to, so we give up. But this idea of bearing fruit in patience or in perseverance is practicing things for long periods of time. And I can promise you, if you're a Christian and if you have the Holy Spirit and if you build your life upon things that honor the Lord, you might start doing something you don't enjoy. But many, many times the Lord will take that and bring you joy through it. Whether it's reading your Bibles, I always have conversations with students who say, I just can't seem to understand my Bible. I read it and it doesn't make sense. And I say some of the same things in those conversations. Have you tried to set up a time that you're going to do it regularly for a long period of time? Are you asking questions of the text rather than expecting it to be magic and jump off at you? And many times I've had students say, okay, Ryan, I'm going to take you up on this. I'm going to go read for two weeks, little pieces, and I'm going to ask these three questions. And students come back to me saying, there's something different right now about when I read it. I'm understanding. I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's not, it's not like that's all I want to do and I never want to watch Netflix, but, but I enjoy it. I'm learning. It's helping me think differently. When it comes to God's word, I think we, we sometimes give up too quickly. When it comes to prayer, we don't make time because it doesn't necessarily give us what we want right away. Friendships are hard to take past hobbies and into deep conversations. Sometimes when we get hurt, we try to push people away and assume that'll fix things. When it comes to serving other people, let's just be honest, it's just much easier to do what I want to do. But when we bear fruit in perseverance, we put these things on for a long-term trajectory. And we say, hey, I love Jesus. The gospel came to me. I responded in joy. He saved me. So I want to walk in this. I want to look like this. I want to bear fruit 60-fold, 100-fold. Often growing in Christ takes long-term effort. And we just don't like effort. See, I 
I love, I love sports. So whenever I think of analogies or ways to describe things, it makes sense to me in sports. But this is the same for art or music or hunting. It doesn't really matter what is your thing. I didn't get good at playing soccer by picking up a soccer ball, playing for a week, and then all of a sudden I was good. Nobody sits down at the piano for 30 minutes and then all of a sudden can play anything they want. Nobody picks up a pencil and freehand draws one time and then is selling and making loads of money because their art is amazing. But most people who go anywhere with any of these things have put blood, sweat, tears, loads of time into what they do. Why is it we think the spiritual realm is so different than that? Why is it that we think all of these things we need to work hard, but this should just come naturally to me? Like, what? Well, how does that make sense? Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. Yes, we've been given God's grace. And that's what helps us as we put these things into practice. God's word is living and active, but it often takes time, routine, and practice to get to the point where it's challenging you and helping you regularly. Prayer isn't easy and can feel like sometimes you're just monologuing. But with some basic tools and some discipline, it can develop into a life-giving habit. Friends are great to have, but it takes practice pushing past the how are you, what did you do this weekend, talking about the latest 21 Pilots concert. It takes work to get past that into what have you been reading this week from God's word? Or what is God teaching you right now in life? Or when somebody says life's been really hard this week, you ask them what specifically And then, oh, get this, maybe pray for them. And serving can often feel great in the moment, but a servant's heart is cultivated through regularly saying no to yourself and making time for others. All of these are fruit of the soil where the gospel has taken root and sunk deep in. And I can look out today, and there are a number of you That if I were to say, hey, where are you? I'd say you're right there. Keep on keeping on. Pursue Christ. Keep reading God's word. Doesn't mean you're perfect. But it means I'm seeing the Lord work in your life. There are some of you, if we had a one-on-one conversation, uh, I don't know everything in your heart, but I would be concerned that you're in the first three somewhere. Just because you go to church on Sundays doesn't mean you're good soil. The good soil was good because God saved this person. And they responded out of gratefulness. Each one of these soils heard the same message. Each one of you, if you're around here very often, you've heard the gospel. You've heard that you're a sinner as we sang. You've heard about Jesus who can come and save you and make you new and pay for your sin and give you his righteousness and you can walk in holiness for eternity through trusting Him. You've heard that message. That's the word. 
but we respond very differently to that word. Some of you are saying, Ryan, I, I know I'm a Christian. I know I am. And I say, great, I'm glad you know that. Show me your fruit. Live it out. Walk it out. Be Christ to people. Where are you persevering to grow? Are you so grateful for the grace you've received in Christ that it's motivating real, tangible action by the grace of God?